Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of All of Them Witches. I'm your host Marcus and I'm here to talk about horror movies. So to get started, just want to give everyone an update on things as they are. Um, I'm sure most of us at this point in time, um, at the point I'm recording this, are being affected by the COVID-19 pandemic in one way or another. Hopefully you yourself or your friends and family are not affected directly um, in regards to becoming sick by this, but of course many of us are now um, being asked to stay indoors and limit outside activities as much as we can to sort of limit the spread of this around. I have been hanging out and working from home for the past two weeks, and uh, at first it was really uh, weird in multiple ways. Um, I may be starting to get used to it, I don't know, um, but because I'm still working full-time, I do not, I, it's not like I've been able to go crazy and watch a zillion movies, but I kind of wish I, I could, but um, not how it is. Um, so for this whole month of uh, March, I watched, I don't know, 11 movies maybe? Um, which is about my average probably, not more or less than usual. I'm just going to rattle those off because uh, for the most part they're not horror movies at all, and so there's nothing for me to really mention about them on this show. Um, but I watched Safe, and then I watched Fail Safe, very different movie, but both with the word safe in the title. I uh, checked out Greener, Gra uh, Greener Grass, also watched Bad 25, a documentary, The Boys Next Door, Satanic Panic, which is a horror film. Pretty pretty great. I've already seen that one. Um, I watched it over again with a friend. Remotely, of course. Um, after that, I saw Orlando, The Night Porter, Serial Mom. Not really horror, though. It is technically like a killer murder movie type of thing. Um, but very comedic. John Waters. Love it. Uh, I've seen it already again, watching with a friend. And then the last movie I watched this month is Satan's Slaves. And that's the movie I'm going to be talking about today. So just for the basics of this film, Satan's Slaves is a film from 2017, and it is an Indonesian horror film that, uh, when it came out, got a lot of attention, I feel. At least the podcasts that I were listening to were very excited about this movie and really enjoyed it. So this film is sort of, it starts out with a family, um, father, four children of varying ages, um, a mother who is ill, kind of appears to be bedridden, um, cannot get up, just sort of has a bell that she can ring to get people's attention if she needs something, like if she's needing food or needing um, her sheets changed or something. And then there's also a grandma who lives in the house with them. So it's just sort of this multi-generational family thing going on um, where everyone is just trying to um, live their lives while they're sort of in this unfortunate situation of their mother being severely ill. And at the start of the film, we see that they're having money problems and they don't really know what to do. So that's a tough thing for them to deal with on top of the already tough things that they're dealing with. At the very start of the film, basically, the mother passes away and things seem to be... Things were already getting a bit strange with the mother where it appeared she seemed to be very frightful of seeing something, but there was nothing there to see. Um, and of course, when she passes away, she's got this terrified, mouth-gaped look on her face, so you you have to wonder what was going on there. And of course, as the movie progresses, you uh, get to know a lot more about what the heck was going on with that whole thing. 
So since this is an Indonesian horror film, the trailer would be not in English, so you would be watching the subtitled. Um, but anyway, I will play some of the music from the intro because I think the intro song is great. So there's, here's a little clip of that. So that was a pretty awesome song. I love it a lot. It feels very reminiscent to me of like the intro song in Rosemary's Baby. Um, that plays when like the intro credits are going. It's got a similar sort of vocal thing going on where the person is not singing words, but you know she's singing sort of the melody. But with that said, uh, I'm gonna go basically into full plot reveal. So clearly, if you have any intention of seeing this movie, you should watch it first. <laughs> So I basically covered the sort of intro bits of the film already, but basically after the mother's death, it's pretty quick to reveal something that I was kind of nervous about um, in regards to the theme of the movie, where there is uh, this man, I think he's sort of like a, a religious figure in the community, and uh, his name is Ustad, and he basically asks if the family prayer, prays, and they do not. And I was like, at this point, I was already wondering, oh, no, is this going to be like a movie about, I don't know, religion triumphing over evil? And that's fine, obviously. It's just not a particularly unique message. So um, anyway, after the mother's death, um, the husband figure, he's like, okay, well, um, this really is terrible, but I we still have to deal with money. We're still going to lose the house, so I'm going to go out... Uh, go out and get uh, raise some funds so please you guys just sort of hold together while I'm gone and uh, we'll figure things out basically. Clearly things are not going to go great when the father figure is out leaving basically just the four children and the grandmother alone. Um, so let's do a little intro of the family. We've got Rini who is the daughter who is uh, in college or was in college she dropped out. There is Bondi, a young boy who um, one of the younger boys, and he also, he's, his younger brother, the youngest of the whole family, is Ian, who is deaf, and they seem to have a pretty, you know, expected sibling relationship. They are, they, you know, they love each other, but they also get on each other's nerves terribly. And then there's another uh, son named Tony, who is, I think, younger than Rennie, but older than the other boys, of course, because he seems like a teenager. He's driving his motorcycle um, around before he sells it anyway. So... They're all just sort of living this life, um, kind of trying to continue on in things. They actually didn't seem 100%, especially the younger children, 100% broken up about the mother's death afterwards, mainly because, like the father mentions at some point, they were kind of already mourning. They had been mourning when she, the mother had been, you know, stuck in this bed for this time. And I understand that, you know, when someone's in that situation, it's kind of like you're already preparing for the worst to happen. So maybe it doesn't hit you as hard because you know it's coming. You know that someone's going to be dying at some point. There are little flourishes of things that start happening that are not normal. They're not uh, natural things that would happen in the world, such as 
like one night when Tony, I think just after the death a bit, he's listening to his radio in bed and he hears the bell dinging uh, from the bell that his mother would be ringing when she needed someone to come up there and, and like help her with something. And he's hearing it. And he doesn't understand why because obviously his mother's dead. So who's ringing the bell? So he goes up there and there's nobody in the bed, but he does see the bell fall off of the bed. And that creeps him out because it's like, what? It was ringing and no one was here. And then it just moves like on its own. So he freaks out. And it's, these sort of instances seem to be happening to all of the family members in different ways. Because um, it's like another time near right after this, Rini is um, getting water out of the well. And she's kind of halfway see something out of the corner of her eye when she's walking back like out of this mirror she sees she thinks she sees something but she doesn't see it upon really looking at it but the viewer does see that there was someone someone's face like in that mirror you could tell that there was someone there aside from her similarly none of the even the little children are not uh safe bondy's got a like a viewmaster or viewfinder little toy thing and as he's look, clicking through the different slides, he sees an image of a, a woman, like a ghostly looking woman, who as I, I'm pretty sure is meant to look like his mother, except it's spooky because of course you do not expect to see that in your Viewmaster. And that was a real like jump scare, not because she like jumps out or anything, she's purely still in that image. But the jump scare aspect of it is because the viewfinder does like a quick boom to the next image. And when it does that quick uh, switch to the new image of the ghostly apparition there's also like a loud sound in the soundtrack so that's the jump scare portion of it and i did i did uh slightly move at that point <laughs> it did surprise me even though i was expecting it something to happen i was actually expecting in this viewfinder segment for it to be like totally normal looking images with something happening in the background of the image and like maybe the woman becomes comes closer or something as he goes through the slides um, that'd be kind of like, I guess, that um, in the recent It remake, um, the first movie, there's something similar with that, um, where they're looking at like a, something and they see the clown sort of in all the images and then he pops up. But anyway, these creepy things keep going on. Um, at some point, Ian has to go pee. He's like asking his brother to come with him. Bonnie's like, I don't want to. But they do end up going um, together and walking and start walking back to their room. And at this point, uh, little Ian is freaked out because there's like a dark hallway with a picture of their mother at the end of it. And it's spooky. And yes, that picture was spooky even before it was in the dark. It's like a weird kind of haunting photo or a painting. I'm not sure what it is, but it's creepy regardless. So Ian's like closing his eyes and his brother's just sort of leading the way. Grabs a blanket so they can try to cover up the image. Um just for future i guess but um, when bondy throws the blanket to try to mask the image it falls down and it sort of stops because it's there's this, uh, it appears that it, it sort of forms the shape of a human like as if someone was standing there and you threw a blanket over them so you would see it sort of cascade down but with the human shape under the blanket except obviously there was no one visually there and I knew this was going to happen. Like, oh my god, that blanket is... There's going to be a, like a ghost blanket thing going on. And I was right. Unfortunately, Ian doesn't see this because he's sort of got his eyes covered. So he just gets freaked out when his brother gets freaked out because of course he would. So again, it's like... No one's really sure what's happening. But it's like, okay, maybe Bondi's just freaked out because of... 
you know, all the death that's been occurring, it's, it's you know, going to uh, impact a child maybe in a very different way. So at some point after this, um, this young man named Hendra uh, meets up with Rennie because he, he was there. He's the son of the, like, priest man, uh, Ustad. And he, he tells Rennie that he saw someone at the funeral, a strange sort of woman, and he, keep, and he sees her again, like, in their house. But clearly, that's not normal. That's why he's talking to her about it. He's like, I, I don't know who she is. She is not your mother, clearly, but she looks like her. And she's sort of been seen after the mother is dead. And he considers this to be an evil entity, which, you know, Rennie's like, okay, please stop with these, you know, fantastical types of stories, this, you know, stuff that isn't true. Fortunately, things are going to get much worse while Rennie's out. Uh, the grandma seems to be having like maybe a, um, an asthma attack or just having some problems breathing because she does have asthma. So she sort of gets out of her wheelchair and tries to go to the um, room with the well, presumably to grab herself like some water to sort of help maybe. And we don't see what happens, but we just know that um, Bondi ends up stumbling upon the body of his grandmother who is at the bottom of the well, you know, dead because she's face down in water. So this is really sad. It's just like, oh my God, there's just death on top of death. And now at this death, the the children sort of have to deal with it on their own because their dad is gone and I don't even think they can reach him because their phone uh, or they don't have a phone or something. So it's real tough. Um, but things clearly are not normal. So Rennie uh, is looking around in the house. She sees a letter that her, her grandmother had written and didn't send. Obviously, she's never going to. But she follows who the letter was sent to because she also reads it. And apparently the grandmother was asking the recipient for help for her family. And so she goes to ask this guy, hey, what's up? Why was my grandmother asking you for help? Like, what is this? And so at this point, you sort of get some backstory on things where um, the man who they meet is a writer for like an occult magazine. But he's, you know, known the grandmother for a long time. He didn't end up getting, you know, being with her relationship wise, obviously. Um, but... He, you know, cared about her, so he cares sort of about the family. And what he tells is that basically this, that the grandmother never said, uh, never gave her blessing for her son to marry the woman, um, the son being the father of this film and the woman being the dead mother. And why was that? It seems that the grandmother had suspicions that um, this relationship, that the mother did not just have a child normally, that she actually must have like prayed to Satan to have this child and, and was then able to have children at this point. And that's really messed up because you're like, well, if that's true, then all kinds of horrible stuff must be <laughs> as a result of that. Um, but... Of course, Rennie's still very concerned, and but still suspicious that this could at all be true because, you know, you know, who's going to hear that and be like, oh, yeah, I agree, I believe that 100%. But it doesn't help that all these weird things have been happening, that she's, you know, definitely concerned more about what the issue may be. And back at home, things keep getting worse. Uh, Bondi appears like he's been possessed because he signs to his brother Ian that he wants him to die. 
and that's very dramatic and creepy and he's doing this when he's asleep so it's like oh wow i don't know what's going on i'd be freaked out if i were ian <laughs> at this point if i were not already and ian just has more worse times because he's sort of walking around out one night and he hears wait well, he, he feels the knocking vibrations in the um, wall which his grandma had been teaching him to do like to tell when someone's knocking and you can sort of feel the vibrations so he follows it to the door but who's on the other side of the door it's definitely not his grandma it's like a scary apparition in the darkness so he runs away his clothes get stuck on a like little hanger thingy on the wall and that's terrible because he's freaking out freaking out freaking out um but he seems to make it um because when they find him later he's sort of hiding in this little box that he's been playing in and he was not dead he was just hiding Rennie gets more suspicious about this whole idea of Satan and Satanism and cults because she, uh, her mother's album she finds, um, for some reason the album's like label has started to peel off a little bit. The record seems normal, it just looks like, you know, black vinyl. But underneath the label there was like an additional sort of, uh, an additional series of grooves. And so she plays those grooves that were covered up by the um, label and it's sort of a weird sounding thing that it doesn't seem like it's, it's definitely not music um, and so she plays that part backwards and you hear like chanting which is clearly something <laughs> meaningful and not a good sign when you've got this secret part of the record that plays chanting when you hear it backwards Definitely something is going on. So she finally looks at the uh, magazine article that the, the man gave her, and it talks about a devil worship fertility cult where women who cannot have children uh, get involved in this cult and then they're able to have children. The problem being that apparently, per this article, the last child to be born from this family who's been a part of the mothers who have been a part of this cult will be taken away to be sacrificed this is kind of all that the family can really take Rennie decides to call over Ustad to just please look at my house please can you give me some advice on what to do here things are not right clearly and he basically says um well you guys just need to pray wholeheartedly and um that'll probably be what you need because no one no creature is stronger than God or whatever and everything fears that so that's what they tell them to do Rennie who is clearly not someone who's ever been involved in prayer still does know how to pray so she gets her you know stuff on and she goes to pray in her house While this is happening, you sort of get cuts of other things occurring in the house, like Bondi, that there's a ghost in there, or, you know, apparition of the mother, sort of, who's sort of hanging over his him in bed. There's uh, also the same or similar apparition in the room with Rennie when she's praying, first outside the window, then behind her. And then there's a really creepy scene where it comes for her, and they're sort of fighting under the... Um, the robe that she's wearing, and it's very scary. And this is clearly it's just too much. Okay, they're being directly attacked now. So 
Rennie and um, everyone, all the children, leave the house and go over to the other place of um, Ustad and Hendra because they just cannot. <laughs> right now, they cannot deal with this. They're leaving the house. So while they're hanging out there, Hendra is like, okay, well, um, I'm going to go back to see that man that we talked to, the magazine writer. Um, so he goes over, and that man gives him a letter, which is basically um, the upcoming article that he's going to write. And apparently this is their, this new article, if it would, if they waited for it to be printed, it would be too late. So, Hendra leaves, but unfortunately when he's driving back on his motorcycle, he sort of sees something I think that isn't really happening, like a person running into the street. So he swerves to avoid this person, but then he sees the truth of what was actually in the street, and he has just swerved directly into the path of a big truck, and he gets run over and killed. So this is really horrible because, you know, they, they bring the body back to the house and that is terrible. But at least by bringing the body back, the sort of draft of the article also makes it back to the house. It just sort of falls on the ground and Rennie picks it up and takes it inside. So you would really think, no, these people are not welcome in this house anymore because they kind of presumably got Hendra killed. So... Fortunately, the dad comes back at this time, and so they all go back home to their original house, their haunted house. And things appear to be okay in the sense that at least um, they will be moving out, like, the next day. They don't really get time to sort of get back to each other, because unfortunately, things are still going crazy. Ian gets, you know, goes in the bathroom, and then the door shuts by the time everyone gets the door open, they see Ian basically getting pulled into the well. So, of course, the dad jumps in immediately, tries to save him. It's a very dramatic couple of minutes. I don't even know how long it is, but it feels long. It feels like it's too long, like he, the poor child would be dead because the dad has to come up for breath like two times. Either way, he does manage to pick his child up out of the water and they get out of that damn well. But this is just sort of the peak because after this, it's like you, they look outside and they see a bunch of people. They're all wearing black, like uh, suits, like nice quality clothing, but they're all out there wearing black and they've all got black umbrellas and they're all just standing there silently. It's kind of like um, in Us where the family is just sort of uh, hanging out outside, like staring and not moving, kind of like that. Except there's many more of these cultists. They appear to be surrounding the entire house. So things are like flinging everywhere. Ian is getting like pulled away by like this magical wind. His brother saves him or like grabs him and pulls him back in. Dad goes outside and he's like, no, you can't have uh, anyone in my family like leave or else you got to come fight me. And so no, no one still says anything. But they like drop this like bunch of dirt that was in their hands. And then that's it seems to be it. Because they go away, suddenly they're all gone. And then it's like, you know, a bright and sunny day type of thing. So Rennie goes outside and she, like, looks at where the people had been. And she sees a bunch of, like, these little red seeds everywhere. She doesn't know what that's about. But either way, this is supposed to be the day that they leave um, for their new place. And so they're like, okay, well, you know, we'll get there late. But we'll be able to celebrate Ian's seventh birthday, which is the, the seventh birthday is supposed to be the day when he gets, um, taken so they're like okay we're gonna be our new house it's all better now he'll we'll celebrate his birthday it'll be fine we'll be on, on, on to normal life um 
that Rennie reads that message that she received uh, from the sort of magazine writer, and it talks about the fact that it's a revision of the article. It's that it was not quite right what they originally published. It was actually that the last child is not a sacrifice. The last child is Satan's offspring. So that's a very different concept and very dangerous because it means that Ian is dangerous. And shortly after this revelation, we realized, yes, that's true. <laughs> um, because Ian is up in the middle of the night and when they realize that the, their uh, ride is not going to come and then he's just sort of speaking uh, when she has not really done that much in the whole movie, he does like a little bit, but not really. And he's speaking just in this like foreign language. And he also can hear because when his brother sort of says something to him when he's not looking, Ian turns around and responds. And obviously that's not right if this kid has been deaf this whole time. Um, and then he sort of walks away giggling creepily because that's what children in horror movies do. They just have to giggle and they're creepy. And at this point, the movie sort of shifts a little bit into the kind of creatures it's been depicting, which had been... Up to this point, I felt like they were kind of ghostly. Uh, but now they're just sort of like straight-up zombies type of monsters. You know, it's kind of slow, uh, dead, very dead-looking, but they're sort of just now coming around the whole house, causing a big problem. Ustad gets killed after seeing his like dead Hendra hanging out, which is sad. You know, the last thing you see is like your, your dead son. Um... But clearly things are not right. Ian ends up outside with all the zombies and just sort of like giggly, happy, holding hands with the uh, ghostly mother apparition. So it's it's clear they see, okay, that's he's not really a part of this family. He has never been. He's been like a monster this whole time. And it was just sort of waiting to be revealed on his seventh birthday. And there's a, a really touching scene, in my opinion, where while they're in the house, as the zombies are trying to break in, break down the door, um, the grandma's wheelchair sort of slowly wheels up. And then you see, just in the mirror, but not in the real house, you see the grandmother sort of pressing against the door to stop the invasion from coming. So, but they get out of the house because the magazine writer man, still alive, ends up coming up in his car to take them away, get them out of this place. There's, of course, a dramatic, as usual, scene of the car won't start type of thing, but it does finally start, and they leave, and then we pick up from this uh, year later where the family has moved to their new house and they're just sort of living there and, and having a much pleasant life, much more pleasant life. You see the colors are bright and happy, um, even the neighbors seem nice. They come and give um, everyone some extra food. It's very beautiful. And they're like, oh, it's such a great life. But we've got a last little zing at the end because the neighbor goes back to her house and is at first like, oh, you know, they've got kids. You know, we should treat them nice and stuff. Oh, because we are Satanists too and we're going to continue this whole process of you know, ritualism and sacrifice and such. So that's how the movie ends, realizing that, okay, this family escaped one way, but they didn't really escape because there are Satanists everywhere, and they're coming to get you and your family. So overall, I thought it was a pretty fun movie, really. I enjoyed it. I really liked 
um, the feel of the film. It did not feel a lot like other modern horror films that I've seen recently. Not that I watched that many recent horror films, um, but it felt different to me. Um, I enjoyed the setting that was slightly different from my life. You know, I don't have a, a well in my house. Um, I have to draw from and you know I don't necessarily have the same religious beliefs well technically I don't have religious beliefs either um, but they do need to draw upon them at a point in this movie um, I appreciated sort of the ghostliness and the just small little creepy segments that occurred before things really you know blew off you know, blew off the hinges and got real serious real suddenly. <laughs> I didn't super love the zombiness of the uh, creatures at the end, and they are zombies because they're the undead. You know, the helpless house lives, lives like right across the street from like a graveyard, so all those dead things just come out and come for them. You know, not that I have a problem with zombies, it's just that I don't need to see zombie media all the time in my life. Um, but I didn't really care, I thought it was still a lot of fun. I really just liked it. I liked the cast. I got to feel for each of them pretty well quickly on. Like, so when they were crying over the mother's death, I was sad too a bit. You know, when the grandma dies, I'm like, oh, God, this is so horrible for this family that already just lost their mother, and now they're just losing their grandma. It's like everyone's going, oh, boy. In fact, the acting was all pretty great. Felt believable. I just really thought it was a fun film. I would definitely recommend it for people who have not seen it yet. Although, again, I would hope you watched it maybe shortly before listening to this um, to get the best effect. But hey, it's up to you. I watched uh, the film on Shudder um, because I don't know how long it's been there, but I definitely it's been on my watch list for a while. So, And as far as I can tell, Satan Slaves is not a, going to be removed from Shudder anytime soon. Hopefully not. Um, that gives a good place to watch it. Subtitled. I just I just had fun. I would like to see, as a result of this, I feel like, oh, I should start watching a lot of these other uh, foreign language horror films that I've been putting off on for a long time. Like, uh, what is it? Under the Shadow is one. Train to Busan. Yes, I have not seen that yet. Um, like, if you don't realize, I I have avoided watching modern horror films for a very long time. It used to be an intentional thing, and since then it's kind of just been a continued habit, even though I don't really want it to be a habit. Um, so a lot of the times, yes, a lot of these critically acclaimed films I have not seen, and that is a shame. I like to see One Cut of the Dead, even though some people are like, is that a horror movie? I'm like, I don't care. It's, it's got like zombies in some capacity. So sure. Um, and lots of other ones are The Wailing. See, all these movies that are so known in the horror community... Just because they're, you know, made in the past seven years or whatever, I have not seen them. And that is sad. So, and a lot of them are totally available streaming right now, too. So, I have no excuse not to watch them. Uh, I guess I just feel like I have to be in a mood to see them. I don't know. Anyway, this is this is the movie that's kicking me off. Hopefully I can start getting back on my, uh, watching these films that are on my backlog. The foreign horror films. Maybe I'll just watch some... Not foreign horror films, but just modern horror films, more of those, which I've been trying to do in, in regards to this podcast in general. Uh, but it's, it's still hard. It's, it's hard for me to break that habit. 
it's so easy for me to just go back and like pull something out of my vinegar syndrome library and be like, I'm going to watch this trash direct-to-video film instead, which is often still fun for me, but it is not necessarily going to be as good as a movie as it has a maybe a modern movie maybe that i just have ignored so uh that's my weird rant to myself about myself <laughs> but thank you for listening and uh i hope you tune in for the next episode <laughs>